KP, KPC, News, Information, Culture, KPCC, California Sensibility. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lair. And I'm Amy Choi, and we are the Mashup Americans. Rebecca, it's almost 4th of July, and to me, that means Whitney. Whitney, sing it. Oh, God. Best version. Although I confess I like the Jessica Simpson one, too. You know what? Say it loud and proud because Jessica Simpson really sings that one. I I like the Jessica Simpson version of the Star Spangled Bander. (laughs) Basically, I like every version, which is weird because, like, psychologically I'm comfortable with big jingoistic things, but actually every time I hear the Star Spangled Banner or I'm in a place where it plays or everybody stands and puts their hand over the heart, I cry. Just like mm, every yeah, single me time. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I mean, you and I work really hard at being grateful. I think it's something that we talk a lot about, but sometimes like we forget <laughs> that we just appeared in America. Like, right. We were just born American. We didn't do anything to make that happen. Well, nothing. We just popped on out yeah. and here we were. Like citizens getting firecrackers, eating hot dogs at barbecues and, you know, voting. Hello, you guys. Everybody vote. Enough. Just everybody vote. Everybody get out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's this kind of incredible gift that's almost tough to comprehend sometimes. I mean, we didn't have a choice in the matter, though if we did, I think we'd probably choose American anyways. I think that's probably That seems true. likely. <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty likely. We wouldn't know each other otherwise. <laughs> so today we want to talk about what it means to actually become American versus just being American. There are many steps to it, right? There's a literally becoming American. So you have to take a citizenship test. You have to participate in the ceremony. And then there's the other component, which is actually feeling like an American, like feeling like this is your home. Yeah. I mean, I think that act of like making a place a home means so many different things to so many people for it may be, you know, having kids. It may be somehow integrating yourself into the community. It may be you know, starting a business. So today we're going to talk to Mia Lair, a woman who has done all of those things. She is an illustrious Salvadoran Jewish American landscape architect who does work all over the world, became an American citizen in 2003, and she's also known as Rebecca's mom. You guys, I interviewed my mom. Your mom. Your mom. She's so awesome. (laughs) She's pretty awesome. Just another piece is that we went to a citizenship ceremony in L.A. and met some amazing people pledging allegiance to this country. And so throughout the show today, you'll hear stories about what it means to become American from a few of these folks. It feels different though. I'm breathing different now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm breathing American. Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> but before you can pledge allegiance, as we said, you have to take a test. Mm. So um, there are 100 possible questions to study. You're given 10 of them randomly, and you have to get at least six right to pass. So the questions ask everything from like, how many amendments are there to where's the Statue of Liberty? Rebecca, You're a native English speaker, as we discussed, a born American citizen. You went to a great college. Do you think you could pass? I mean, you just mentioned two possible questions, and I knew one of them. (laughs) So... So far, that if if we translate that up, I don't. I'm not that good at math. That would be five out of ten. 
So no, the answer is no. I'm really nervous and embarrassed and don't think I could pass. Well, I think for the benefit of our audience, we should take the test. Yeah, we don't. We okay. All right. Yeah. So, guys, direct from the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services Civics Practice Test. Question one. Oh, God. Okay. Before he was president, Eisenhower was a general. What war was he in? Um, World War II. Correct! Yay! Uh, President D. Eisenhower was a general in World War II. He led the United States Army and its allies in Western Europe during the war. Okay. When he came home, he was a famous war hero. Then he became president. I like to call him Ike. Ike. Okay. Why did the colonists fight the British? Is it for tea and taxes? Well, <laughs> I, the, the answers here are high taxes. The British Army stayed in their houses. They didn't have self-government. All of these answers. All of these answers. Okay, I'm really nervous. Yay! <laughs> All right, okay. question two, Rebecca. We're both one for one now. What happened at the Constitutional Convention? A lot of men came together. And then maybe Alexander Hamilton sang a song. <laughs> <laughs> also, the Constitution was written. Oh, that seems like, <laughs> that seemed, I thought that was sort of obvious from the name. Right. Yeah. All right. What is the rule of law? All laws must be the same in every state. Everyone must follow the law. Everyone but the president must follow the law. Government does not have to follow the law. Everyone must follow the law. Correct. Oh, God. Wouldn't that be terrible if that were incorrect? Yeah, it would be. If both the president and the vice president can no longer serve, who becomes president? Oh, I know this. The Speaker of the House. That's why we can't let that happen. Um, all right, so that actually wasn't that bad. Like, I'm pretty happy that all of our years of schooling, so many of them, where we were primarily learning American history, we actually learned something. Definitely. Oh, I don't feel humiliated. <laughs> no. So that's good. But yeah. I will say, I mean, if English weren't our first language, if, you know, we had actually learned the whole history and knowledge of another country, doing this would be pretty challenging. Yes. Plus, it says on the study guide for the citizenship test that some answers may change because of elections or political appointments. So as you study, make sure you know the most current answers to the questions. Now, this being a moving target does not seem fair. No, it is not fair at all. That is so horrible. So it was really funny because my mom, when she came in, was so nervous that somehow we would retest her on air and, like, take away her citizenship. By the power vested in our podcast, revoke me a Larry citizenship to the United States. This is governmental. It's It's official. It's really official. But she actually made my dad quiz her before, and, like, she came in with answers. It was awesome. So without further ado, here's Rebecca's conversation with her mom, Mia Lair. Mommy, how do you mash up? So I am Latina, born to European Jews in El Salvador. I feel extremely connected to my 
Latino upbringing and culture. It's a big part of my life, and my family's still there, and a lot of friends. But also ending up in California, where there is a strong population of Latinos, it's really allowed me to sort of get centered and understand my place in the world and how I can contribute and participate in this community. How old were you when you moved? Let's start there. I was 14. And so you moved where? I moved to Williamstown, Massachusetts. Oh, uh, God. To boarding school. Oh, God. What a nightmare. Such a nightmare. (laughs) Such a nightmare. Because there weren't a lot of brown Jews in Williamstown. No. uh, (laughs) It was a pretty crazy place in, in Williamstown. But I did have some very interesting experiences. Can we talk about some of that? Well, first of all, I had never seen snow. Oh, my God. Had you seen it in the movies? Well, there weren't too many. There was black and white movies. So everything was sort of snow. (laughs) Everything was sort of snow. No, I had not seen that. I had also never had a hamburger or french fries, for that matter. I'd been once to Florida, and I'd had pancakes in Miami. Yeah. (laughs) And it was all very different from how I had grown up. Yeah. And I really missed my food. And one time I brought mango mousse. Back to the States. Mango mousse is green mangoes that you put through the liquidificador. Yeah, that's how you say blender in Portuguese. In Portuguese. <laughs> and uh, I brought it in, a, you know, in a, 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 one of those uh, sort of Tupperwares. And I put it in the snow outside my window because that way it was going to last for months and I would have a spoonful every day. Yeah. And the fifth day, there was a dead squirrel. Inside. No. Yes. Was a squirrel allergic to mango mousse? <laughs> no, she just drowned in the giant <laughs> vat of oh, mango mousse. Oh, no. Um, it was very sad Rest day for me. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Squirrely. Our dogs would be, have been happy. Yes. <laughs> um, so what was it like being a Jew in El Salvador versus it being a Jew in Williamstown, Massachusetts? In my mind, neither of which are two of the most Jewish places. In El Salvador, uh, interestingly enough, although I felt like an outsider as a Jew in a very Catholic country, um, there was a lot of uh, sort of respect. You know, a lot of the buses decorate the front of their the buses with Jewish stars. Right. And there's Is that a sort really, of like an evangelical kind of... Well, no, there wasn't much evangelical at the time. It's just a respect for the Bible and yeah. a respect for, you know, but La Tierra Santa. Yeah. And so there was respect for that. And my friends um, from school were all very respectful. And um, many times we used to go away for the weekends to, to the beach or to the mountains. And on the way back, they had to go to church on Sunday. And one of my friends, one, uh, I said, I, I, I can't go to church. And she said, come on. Just when we when we are basically doing, you know, uh, persinando, ¿cómo se crossing yourself. When you're crossing yourself, just instead of doing the cross, just do the Jewish star and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to go to church and do the Jewish star. Yeah. And just, just not and, say and, Jesus. And just not say Jesus. And, you know. When it, they it, say holy, 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 you're yes. like kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Same diff. The, same diff. And then for Shabbat, my friend. My friends always knew that Friday night I was not allowed to go out to parties because we were having the dinner with the family. By then, Opa's parents had moved to El Salvador, and we were there. So when I got a little 
teen, you know, a little older, at a, uh, they would let me go at around nine o'clock because the the friends, Nora and Jeanette, came to beg and said, you know, it's okay if she's after Shabbat, you know, can, can, after Shabbat. And my mother would say, well, if you come and spend Shabbat with us, you can go out afterwards. And so they'd come for Shabbat. So they'd come for Shabbat. Yeah. So it was all very comfortable, and they all think it's, you know, there was never a sense that I felt you know, sort of like an outsider, but I never was able to really, um, never able to really say it outwardly. I always felt there was a little bit of discomfort once I came to America. What was the discomfort? What do you mean by that? I felt like I was more Latina. I felt more comfortable talking about being a Latina mm. than being Jewish. It confused people. And then when I got to the to the East Coast and I met all these Jewish princesses from New Jersey and Connecticut. I had no idea what that was. Yeah, like, totally. That was like a whole different kind of person. And bagels, I had no idea what I mean they're delicious and I like lox and bagels now. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't connect with their sort of tradition, you know, some of the traditional foods and some of their the like the, kugel or what what is that? The, yeah. We never have had that. No. How did you learn to love bagels and lox and well, in the sense that in, in high school and then in college, they used to serve them all the time. It's not like there were pupusas, let me tell you. There were no pupusas in casamiento. I used to, twice a year, I would bring them up and I would bring dozens of them and put them in the freezer, but there was only so much. Right. I mean, nowadays, if you're in school in the East Coast or in the West Coast, you find pupuserias and you find right. you know, all the wonderful food that means well, something like to Like our us. cousins who were in school in D.C., my cousins. Yes. They like found they would find all the Salvadorans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like they like had their pupusa lady. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when did you first feel like an American? When Opa died and he was ambassador to Israel at the time. He had... So my grandfather was the ambassador from El Salvador to Israel for... 15 years? Yes. So the then president, who was a, a, a wonderful liberal, had asked him to please represent, you know, the country in Israel. And it was during the war, and it seemed like a good time to get away. So that's what they did. And so he insisted to me and to the family that he needed to be buried in El Salvador, whatever happened. So there we were. He died in Israel, and we had to bring him to El Salvador, which was not, it's not that easy. <laughs> and the way he would describe it was, I don't want to be buried under olive trees with big rocks and gravel on top of me. I want to be under one of the beautiful shade trees in, in the cemetery that he had basically really worked hard at sort of organizing with my parents and, you know, my cousins, and I want to be under a shade tree with orchids on it, with parakeets coming to sing to me. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> so that's what he wanted, and it was a whole thing, getting down there. And so... Well, by the way, one day we're going to talk about burial traditions, but in Jewish tradition, it's not... You're not cremated, so you're put in a, a casket. So, so imagine, please, my grandfather dies in Israel... And now is somehow has to get across the whole world in a casket. So, so this isn't like an urn. No. It's a casket. It's a casket. Yeah. And then it goes to to Holland and then it goes to Paris, New York, and then El Salvador. Who traveled with him in that 
in the plane. He was by himself. No, wasn't there a lot of chickens or something? Yes, there were chickens. There were chickens <laughs> going. I didn't know you wanted to get into the detail. Baby chicks get exported from Israel to to Holland uh, for for chicken production. So, so Opa was on the chicken part plane. Oh, yes, that he would have liked that. He he would have loved that. Yes, <laughs> and so. Um, I thought a lot about that over the next few years, and I realized at some point, because I, I kept on saying, I want to go be with him. Uh, I don't want to be buried here. And something happened in the last, uh, you know, probably 10 years, only then, that I started realizing, you know, this is where I am. This is where my children are. I could imagine being in that, you know, being buried overlooking the L.A. River. Yeah. You know, I have roots here. That kind of changed my perspective. Like we can travel to El Salvador. We can. We have a lot of Salvadorians and a lot of, a lot of wonderful richness about El Salvador here. And then, of course, I've been honored um, to be on a presidential commission. And yeah. I'm, I find I was like every so often I think I think to myself, Are they going to discover that I was born in El Salvador? Well, <laughs> and, they might if Donald Trump becomes a president. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So, so it's it's been great. So interesting, and maybe we should add that question to our speed round, which is, where do you want to be buried? Because that, as a measure of when you felt like an American or when you felt most at home, right? That's a really interesting kind of. By the way, on my way when I was in DC not too long ago, there was a Greek driver, and I asked, you know, we were talking a lot, and I asked him, so. You seem to love Greece. So uh, you leave, seem to love America. Where do you want to be buried? And he told me, in Greece, of course. <laughs> so it's so, a big business moving forward. Oh, my God. That's a, it's an offshoot of the Mashup Americans business model, <laughs> helping people facilitate their burials in their country of origin. Just the paperwork alone. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to amazing, powerful women is our jam. So get pumped because coming up this summer, we hang with Natasha and Freya, the founders of Cool House Ice Cream and Ludlow's Cocktails. And excuse me, Nina Garcia, the creative director at Marie Claire Magazine and the most judgiest judge at Project Runway. Are we in or are we out? Make sure to subscribe at iTunes.com slash mashup so our podcast magically appears in your phone the minute it drops. And if you're already subscribed, give us five stars. Now back to the show. How long have you been an American? So I became an American in 2003. So what was the citizenship ceremony like, actually? People were there with their families, and it was at the convention center, and it was a large room. There was probably like 500 of us. Yep. At the citizenship ceremony, I talked to the wife of someone who was becoming a citizen, and she was so happy. We're all American. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only one that's not. Um, so it's been a dream of his to be an American since he was small, um, the land of opportunity. So um, he's been here, like I said, for eight years. And now he's like, um, you know, I don't want to take the chance of ever being separated from you guys. So he became a, a citizen. <laughs> then they, you know, started calling you up in groups to read something out loud about about you and then to say the pledge as a group. And then together we sang the national anthem. You know, we were there for a couple hours. Yeah. 
what was it like looking around at the other people who were there doing that with you? Well, you know, I, I love to people watch. Stare at people. Stare at people. Yeah, and so, embarrass I mean, your children. To, yes. I it was just wonderful to see people from, you know, all parts of the world. And, you know, some people had 10 family members or big families. And clearly it was emotional for everybody. And some people gave flowers. I think I got given a bouquet. I'm sure. And there was a lot of American flag related outfits. Yes, I had my skirt, my my American flag skirt. You wore it? Yes. I'm really glad to hear that. And my star earrings. You always loved a themed outfit. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. What made you want to become a citizen and make it all official? I wanted to vote. Big motivator. And I knew the elections were in November, and I knew it was going to take six months. I mean, I really, like, was on it. I had like to 35 vote. 35 years plus a few days, and you were ready. <laughs> and I, I have to do it. I realized that my vote was going to make a difference, I felt. And, uh, you know, I was I was ready to make a commitment. So I met a lot of people who couldn't wait to vote. What's the first thing you're going to do with your citizenship? Get a passport and register to vote. That's yes. for sure. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, congratulations, Thank Sergio. you so much. So you have to tell us the truth, Mommy. You wanted to vote against George Bush. Yes. Why did that feel so important in that moment? I was ready for a change, and I realized, given my work and how you know basically connected I was to the community and to Los Angeles, that I, I needed to be able to speak to my ideas and my issues and be able to influence the results of elections. Although I have to say the day that I pledged allegiance was beautiful and meaningful and emotional, not so much in a good way. Mm. You know, like I was sad. Mm. There was a mixture of sadness. So why did it take so long? I thought I was giving something up. Right. Um, I guess at some point I thought, oh, maybe we'll go back there and uh, I could fix the environment. I could be the minister of the environment. We'll go back there for a few years. I'll be the minister on the environment and fix things or something like right. crazy. In, go back to El Salvador. Go back to El Salvador. Right. Give you guys an, an interesting experience, you know, yeah. and do something. And then slowly I realized uh, there was a lot of frustration over sort of politically and otherwise things, the way things were going in El Salvador. And I started to also get more disconnected. Obviously, still feel tremendous ties, but I was starting to feel like I had to root myself, that it was not what I was doing was important and that I had to have a balance between family and, and, and work and that this was a good place to sort of forge and invest my energies. Well, how do you feel when you vote? I love it. Yes. What do you love about it? I just love that I can, like, I think it counts. I mean, I think that's one thing over time that I realized that, you know, in in a lot of other countries, although I have, I think that the um, elections are in many countries, including El Salvador, are are real. I have felt because in California, it's not just presidential election. It's all the bond measures. It's all, you know, know, the school district and, you know, all the things that mattered, like who was going to impact my kids schooling and 
the assembly and all these wonderful young women coming up or or men that I really believe in um, into the election process and how it all comes together. So I just feel that it makes a difference. Do you ever get mad at other people for not voting? Oh, my God. Yes. I was having my hair, my hair cut the other day and I asked the lady on, 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 election, on election day. On election day. And there were many Vietnamese ladies and some American ladies. And I you know, basically said, so did you guys vote already? It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And oh, today is election day? <gasps> and I had basically a little bit of a breakdown. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you don't? No, I mean, on many levels, like, why is America have so few people voting? Yeah. You know, it's uh, really ridiculous. So you scolded them like a good mom. I scolded them. And I actually may have emailed the lady from the salon afterwards. It's <laughs> like, don't forget, it makes a difference. <laughs> well, that's good. One voter, one voting thing at a time. Yes. You're yes. like a one lady new American campaign. And actually, she voted in the same church that you did. Really? Yes. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I love that church. Yes. Uh, they Where they said... For your vote, you get uh, coffee, donuts, and freedom. That's the sign they have up. And then uh, they have that there for you. Isn't that oh, nice? That's nice. And all the Filipina ladies who check you in were like the best Filipina Americans. So do you believe in the American dream? Yeah, I do believe in the American dream. But I feel a little, I mean, I was given such incredible opportunities for education that Many people actually have to really struggle to get. And struggle, I mean, really sacrifice on many levels. If they're, you know, first generation immigrants or just arrived, you know, and how expensive it is and how they have to work and a study. And I got given all of that by the family in a way that gave me a big step forward. Right. I always think of the American dream more like of the person who is starting from nothing. But so what is your American dream, Mommy? I think that I'm I'm kind of living the dream. Yeah. You know, I have a, a wonderful family. I love what I'm doing. I I love the people I work with and the type of people that I associate with. People I work with are my friends. Yeah. We, we believe in the same things. Yeah. We care about the same things. Yeah. And, I, and you I'm, have three I'm, amazing children I have, and a great husband. And I have three amazing children and a great husband and a adorable grandson and soon to have two granddaughters. Oh I my mean, God. really. So my American dream is to be able to spend more time with my babies. <laughs> so enjoying the families and being healthy and having fun together. Yeah. Know, fun well, together. you tricked us and now we all live within one mile of you. So you did it. You're, I, you're I, living the dream. Gracias. Gracias.
That was Mia Lair, an incredible woman, many things to many people, but most importantly, Rebecca, Ben, and Raphael's mom, and Michael's wife. Yeah, that's my mom. That's your mom. And I just, I loved hearing her talk about that real distinction between the moments when she felt American and how that kind of grew through her life in America and then the very concrete moment she was like I am now a citizen and what does that mean and how does that change everything totally I mean we've talked about we just are American we didn't really have a choice in the matter right but so when did you feel American for me it was actually both when did I feel American and when did I feel mashy like my Americanness like oh I mean my grandparents had a voting booth in their house. This is in, I don't know if this happens everywhere, but in California, polling places, polling places are like at people's houses or at churches or what have you. But uh, Rebecca, I grew up voting at Temple. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> temple what? Which Temple? Am um, Shalom in Glencoe. I'm um, um, Shalom. Well, <laughs> you could have voted at the Lairers, Irving and Trudy's <laughs> and Commonwealth. So that was such a f- critical part of the way I grew up. But I think that the first time I f- was like really aware of how unique the circumstances of my Americanness were was like when I was studying abroad in college and and it was wartime. It was like in the early 2000s and I was in Madrid and they'd be like, you're not American, you're European. And I became so angry. Mm. (laughs) I was like, I am so American. Like I could not have existed anywhere else in the world. My parents wouldn't have met. My family probably wouldn't be alive. Right. If, if you were really European, you might be dead. Like, definitely, <laughs> actually. It's, like, it's So I think there was a sense of, like, actually, me, the unique version that is me, only exists because I am American. And it connects with that kind of deep gratitude for the opportunities. Even though my mom's parents never lived in the States, she went to school there and met my dad. And, like, it's like I could only exist mm-hmm. there. What about you? Um, I think growing up, I always identified as Korean and Asian. I don't think I felt strongly about like the American side of my hyphenate until much later in life. And partly it was similar to yours. It was I was, um, you know, in my late 20s before I really started traveling outside of the U.S. And Gabe and I, we did a two-year sabbatical where we were all over the world. And it was really taking us out of the States and being away in places where any way that people could look at us, it was unmistakable that we were American. Right. Not just the language that we spoke or how we spoke it, but the fact of like an Asian American woman, a Latino man being together and being so essentially together. Right. Of course, there are mixed race couples everywhere in the world, but it, it, it's so American yeah. to see that and to have that and to know that. And the way that, you know, both of us had kind of carried our uh, growing up in the States, our own cultural backgrounds and were super tied to them that we kind of identified with those more. It was taking us out of America that made us both really embrace our Americanness. Totally. And then when we came back, we had kids and like there's nothing that really makes you more American than like making an American baby. And yeah. I was like, I'm and now, an American mom now. <laughs> Amy only wears American flag pins all over her clothes. Uh-huh. I'm, and my <laughs> children wear American flags. <laughs> little American <laughs> totally <No. laughs> well with that um, we're celebrating our Americanness happy July 4th mashups we hope you celebrate with a lot of joy and firecrackers yes 
Purchase legally or illegally at your choice. At your local freeway stop. That's capitalism, folks. (laughs) You go do it. (laughs) The Mashup Americans are me, Amy Choi. And me, Rebecca Lair. Our producer today was Jocelyn Gonzalez. Our show is produced by American Public Media and... Southern California Public Radio, KPCC. We're also supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Besos. Bye. Bye.